evening and welcome to Bloomington Newsmakers Skip Daily here. And our guest this week is the Executive Director of the Monroe County Public Library System, Mr. Greer Carson. Director Carson, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing well, Skip. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Before we get into all the excitement, of course, I'll tease the audience. We're going to discuss the brand new Southwest Library branch in a little while. But let's get a little bit of a feel for who you are and some other things that are going on in the library system. Now, you stepped in about a year, 15 months or so ago? That's correct. So I became director on May 6th of 2022. My predecessor, Marilyn Wood, had been director before that. I had worked with her as her associate director for a couple of years. And before that, I was the collections manager at MCPL, which means I was in charge of the collection development work that we do, as well as technical services and the circulation services that was all sort of housed under one department. So when I came to MCPL in 2018, that was my job and wound up becoming associate director really kind of toward the start of the pandemic and, and started working very closely with Marilyn Wood at that time. And then she announced her retirement in January of last year. And then I, I took over right after her departure. And we are still very much in close contact. She's still a part of the library in spirit and her legacy, for sure, in the Southwest branch is probably the biggest piece of that legacy, I would say. So prior to 2018, tell us a little bit about Greer Carson. Sure thing. I'll work backwards if that's okay with you. Before that, I was the director of the Putnam County Public Library in Greencastle, Indiana. I was there for about four years. We did some space renovation, specifically their children's department renovation project was the first big project I was involved in. We expanded the library's parking lot, which was sorely needed at that time. Not an exciting project by most people's estimation, but a, a very functional one. And we also expanded our outreach services program at Putnam County to reach more areas of that county. It's a single branch system. And so our outreach services, first our bookmobile and eventually our uh, our van service, uh, was really crucial to meeting the needs of the entire county. And before that, I, I really got my career start outside of library school at an independent boarding school north of Chicago called Lake Forest Academy. I did my MLS work, that's Master of Library Science, at IU and graduated in 2006 and went straight up to LFA. It's about 30 minutes north of Chicago, and it's a boarding school. So uh, a lot of faculty live on campus, and they sort of serve as teachers as well as coaches and dorm parents. But it was an independent school, so in terms of their curriculum, they had a lot of flexibility. And a much-beloved school in that area. It was pretty old. It was founded in 1857. I was hired as the library assistant right out of graduate school there, but became the library director for the school after a few years. And things kind of moved really quickly after that, and I got involved in technology integration across the entire school and became the academic technology director, which included oversight of the library, but was really about launching our one-to-one -one technology program. And this was in 2011. So the first generation iPad had just come out, and I was part of a team that proposed to the school board that we adopt the second generation iPad as our one-to-one -one device. And at that time, I mean, it sounds pretty quaint and, and sort of obvious now, 
But at that time, the expectation was it was laptops and that this new thing called an iPad was an overgrown iPhone and just a gaming device. So it was a really interesting time to be working in education and technology and information science. And and I really learned a tremendous amount while I was there. I was also the electronic music instructor and laptop orchestra director when I was at LFA. So I wore a couple of different hats. And I think that experience maybe has stayed with me more than any other from that time. I got to work very closely with kids on their artistic goals and development in a forum that was unlike anything they had had before then. It wasn't traditional orchestral performance or study. It was about music production and composition in a studio environment, and then a version of performance that went with it. And so that was really where I started my career after grad school. But I'd been working in libraries as a sort of part-time gigs on and off, really, since I was an undergrad at IU. I worked in all of the dorm libraries back when we had dorm libraries at IU, and I worked in the Cincinnati and Hamilton County library system for a while, the Kenton County library system across the river in Kenton County, Kentucky, and that's in Covington, Kentucky. So I've had my share of library experience, but my career has kind of meandered through technology and information science as much as it has libraries, and then wound up back here in Bloomington at MCPL. I'm always fascinated to find out paths people have taken or been led through to wind up exactly where they are today. It's sometimes a a dream as a child to be in a particular career or a particular setting, and sometimes it's just happenstance, and I think it's more often happenstance. But it seems like you you had the education aspect and the technology going, a little bit of experience sprinkled in with the libraries. Were you always an avid reader as a, as a kid? Is that the interest in the library sciences? So certainly there was a point in my life, and I wouldn't say it was super early. I wasn't a, a super avid reader in sort of like grade school, but around middle school and then certainly getting into high school, that changed dramatically and reading became more of a ferocious activity. And so that made me think very hard about libraries, but it was really being at IU and being kind of one of those, you might say, typical outcast undergrad students who didn't really fit in with a whole lot of crowds and wandered around campus alone, found the libraries to be really kind of a, I guess, sort of like the secret protective space that not everybody was using, particularly the dorm libraries at the time. And and that did lead to thinking about getting into a career in libraries. But you make a really good point. A lot of people do kind of almost like meander their way to libraries. They don't start out saying, I'm going to become a librarian, so I'm going to go to school for it, and this is the best school program, and so on. People do that, and I think more often than not, it tends to be children's librarians because they've got sort of what teachers have, which is more of a, you might call it a calling, but sort of a clear direction. I'm pulled into doing this kind of work. For a lot of us, it's really, like you had said, it's either through technology or or through something else that sort of you find yourself working in libraries because libraries incorporate so much including technology and information theory and information science, but also public service, more and more social service. Libraries are doing all of these things. And so we're getting more people coming from different fields working in public libraries. I'll give you a really interesting example. Communications and marketing is a highly paid and specialized field in the private sector. Public libraries rely more and more on sophisticated marketing 
and communications strategies than we used to. It used to be just sort of an in-house, you know, in the age of social media, maybe the director posts something to Facebook once a week kind of thing. Well, that won't do. And not only do we need frequent presence and consistent branding and messaging, but we need it done with style and strategy. And to do that, you rely on communications and marketing experts. We have those at MCPL. Not all libraries do. That's not people getting into communications and marketing work because they want to do it at a library. That's a library opportunity for utilizing those very special skills in a way that, and I think I can quote nearly everybody that we interview and hire, in a position that is going to clearly have a community benefit, a community impact. I hear so many people coming into library work, particularly public library work, who say, I don't know what I want if it's a library or somewhere else, but I know I want to make an impact on the community. And I just don't get that doing gig work for a company or whatever it is. I, I'm really looking for something where the gratification is more than the paycheck. It's that I feel like I'm having an impact on the people around me that I care about. And libraries clearly do that in a lot of different ways. And so we now find those people who kind of meander their way through their career and end up in public libraries. And then we benefit tremendously from that. Five years of equity in the Monroe County public library system that you have. What's your favorite part of Monroe County libraries? Oh, our staff, hands down. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing to say because staff change out, right? You don't have the same people all the time. It's not like a family or anything like that. But we do have a culture at MCPL of not only inclusivity and empathy and all of the sort of buzzwords that people throw around in the workplace these days. But there is a very, very genuine sense of having each other's back, of being part of a team and understanding what the shared mission of that work is. And I felt that the day I walked into MCPL in 2018, and it's only gotten stronger. And I can say that I haven't felt that everywhere I've worked. If you're lucky, you get that with a few people or maybe maybe a decent number of people in the workplace, wherever you go, you got to cultivate it. You got to work hard to make that environment exist. But at MCPL, it was there when I got there because we've had strong leaders and strong staff for a very long time. And that's just a, it's almost like a hallmark of the way this library system operates. And it matters because it's not just serving us internally, right? I mean, ultimately we're stewards of public tax dollars. So we're providing a service to the entire community that pays for this. It matters because that's the reason we're successful is our staff know how to engage with the public and know how to listen to the public. And that's, I think, the reason why a lot of people come to the library and a lot of people use the library online is that they kind of trust the people behind the scenes who are making decisions, who are providing the frontline service, who are just making them feel like, yes, indeed, this is your library. It's not ours. You own this as much as I do kind of stuff. Our staff know how to do that and they believe it. So it's an easy question for me to answer sort of without hesitation, because I I believe that it's the staff that really make MCPL what it is. We've got great facilities. We've got a great trust with the community that not all public libraries have. I know that Monroe County really cares deeply about MCPL. And those things are incredibly important. But my honest answer is it's our staff that the coolest thing about MCPL. Now, your facilities, the Monroe County Public Library System is made up of the main branch, which is downtown Bloomington on Kirkwood 
the Ellettsville branch and you have a mobile system going on. And of course, this is all going to change in a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. when we come back from a break, we're going to get into all the hoopla that is the Southwest branch. We're going to let you brag and share with the community all of the timeline and all of the amenities that will be provided mm-hmm. to the community. But real quickly here, before we do take a break, share with us what you have going on in the current branches right now. Sure thing. So starting with the downtown branch, you know, I'll really, I'll go way back and just say, because I think a lot of people don't know, the Monroe County Public Library has technically been in existence now for 203 years. So we were founded in 1820. Our first board meeting occurred in March of 1820. It was a room with a small collection of materials in the courthouse. Following that, there was a little annex building that housed the library collection for a few years, maybe longer. Then it moved to a couple of school buildings around town. It was just known as the Bloomington Library at that point. And then a Carnegie Library was built along with about 1,600 others across the United States. And that became the main library. And that's the Carnegie Building that's now the History Center. And we were in that building until 1970, 71. And that's when the current downtown library building was built. It took up most of a city block, but not all of it, until 1997. And we expanded the downtown facility to 135,000 square feet. So it now takes up the entire city block and is the downtown branch that people know today. The downtown library, I think, is remarkable, not only because it's a flagship building and service point, and not only because it's on our our community's main street, Kirkwood, but it's a remarkable facility and it offers spaces and experiences that we don't have in any other location and probably never will. And so it's a it's a jewel, I think, honestly. And I felt that way as a as a, an undergrad student back in 99, 2000, where I would go there just to hang out or check out their AV collection or sit in those wonderful seats that look out over Kirkwood and Grant, that corner with all those glass. It's just a remarkable space. So that's our that's our downtown library. We used to call it Maine, and we switched that to downtown on the eve of having two other satellite branches. The first of those two satellite branches, as you reference, is the Ellettsville branch. It actually started as a storefront branch in around 1967-68, and then we built a separate building in 1990-91 is when it opened up. And at that point, we were sort of a two-branch library system. And you also referenced the Outreach Services Department. Outreach is its own department at the library. It serves the entire county by definition by way of scheduled uh, van stops, which are materials delivery stops. And then the thing that everybody knows really is the bookmobile itself. The bookmobile is a library on wheels. It's a very large, it's more of a bus than it is a van. It carries its own collection, uh, which is curated by our outreach staff. So it changes out on a regular basis. It caters to the interests and needs of outreach patrons who could be really anyone. You don't have to sign up to be an outreach patron, but it just goes out to one of, I think, about 27 or 28 different scheduled stops on a regular basis and carries a portion of the library out to the community who may not be able to get to downtown or the Ellettsville branch. And that's been our service model for uh, quite a while. 
And without, I know we're going to take a break first, but without getting into it too much, the community has been talking about a third library location for MCPL for about 20 years. It's something a lot of people have either wanted or wondered about or hoped for. And so we've kind of stuck with the main library downtown and the satellite branch in Ellettsville and then having outreach serve the rest of the community for quite a while. So that's one of many reasons why this is such an historic moment for MCPO. And when we come back, we're going to hear all about that Southwest Branch, the third location for the Monroe County Public Library System. Our guest today, the Executive Director of the Monroe County Public Libraries, Mr. Greer Carson. You're listening to Newsmakers on the South Central Indiana News Network. This is Danny with Weathervane Insurance Solutions. Not only is it especially important for our economy to support local businesses these days, but as your local independent insurance agency, Weathervane Insurance can shop you around with dozens of carriers to ensure you receive the most competitive price and, of course, the best customer service. Find us on the web at weathervaneonline.com. That's weathervaneonline.com. Are you concerned about your life insurance coverage during these uncertain times in history? I'm Adam Beasley with American Senior Benefits right here in Bloomington, and we can help you find the best coverage for you and your family. We work for you to find the best plan out of more than 150 companies. We can compare your existing coverage or start a brand new plan. From newborn to 89 years old, from term to permanent, we'll find what's best for you. Call us at American Senior Benefits, 812-631-2305. back. You're listening to Bloomington Newsmakers right here on the South Central Indiana News Network. Our guest today, Executive Director of the Monroe County Public Library System, Mr. Greer Carson. Director Carson, thanks again for being with us. Go ahead and tell us the big news here. Of course, everyone knows this new branch is popping up. It's popped up over the last, I don't know, 15, 18 months. It's a fantastic building. It's on the south side of town. It's right off of Rogers and Gordon, and it's right next to Bachelor Middle School. What was the rationale behind the decision on that location? There was a couple other regions of the Mm -hmm. community that were being considered. Why the southwest side? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So why Southwest in general is we knew that that was an area of the county that we weren't reaching as well as we could. Despite our outreach services schedule and despite the fact that a lot of people do come to the downtown and the Ellettsville locations, we knew that if we were going to indeed commit to a third facility, it needed to be somewhere in the Southwest quadrant of the county. The reason we chose this specific site, as you can imagine, is somewhat complicated because you don't just get your pick of any site that you want. You're really looking at available real estate. But the driver for it was the community feedback. So when we started doing our feasibility study in 16, 17, and 18, and we had already saved the money that we knew we needed to have in order to make this a possible project, we started doing community feedback forums. And some of this was online and, and in print surveys, but we also held some in-person community feedback sessions where we just listened to people and said, what is it that you really want from this library? Do you really want another branch or do you want more outreach stops? Do you want 
a storefront branch? Do you want book vending machines, which believe it or not, are becoming more popular for public libraries? I mean, is it really a branch that you want? And it was a resounding yes. People wanted another physical space they could go to and experience being in the library or experience being in this sort of third space as people talk about it. The criteria for where it ought to be located included things like it needs to be near a school. It needs to be near a grocery store. It needs to be near a bike path or a pedestrian path. It needs to be near a bus line. And it needs to be in an area where we're seeing more residential development. So there's the possibility for people to walk or bike or ride scooters to the library rather than relying so much on cars and parking and so on. So we took that feedback and and thought very hard about what our options were in terms of properties. And this property was owned by the school corporation. This parcel is immediately adjacent to Bachelor Middle School. It's a hike, but it's a maybe a half mile hike to the rail trail, which of course is, is something of the county's extension of the Beeline Trail. A little further up Gordon, you hit Kroger. So there's our, our grocery store. Far enough away from a bus line, you know, that's the one thing we weren't quite able to nail. The nearest bus stop, I think, is at the corner of Walnut and Gordon near Kroger. But it checked off enough of those boxes in terms of what the community said they wanted from the library and its location. And then the rest is just real estate and working with sellers and and all of that stuff to say, is this feasible? Is it the right price? Are there any issues or better, are there potential opportunities with the site itself? Does it lend itself to a library being there and so on? And all of that kind of came together in late 2018. And we had decided on on this site and, and we struck the right deal with school corporation. And I think, you know, the leading criterion of that list that I shared is probably the proximity to a school. There's nothing better for a public library than to be a neighbor of a school, whether it's an elementary, middle or high school. It's a perfect marriage. You have a built-in partnership with your neighbor. You're basically an auxiliary resource for that school. And you can get in there and work with students and faculty and by extension with families and and make a serious connection that otherwise is maybe a little harder to make. And so those are really the reasons why we ended up with this site. This site is not without its challenges, for sure. It didn't check off every box on our list. It's admittedly due south. It's not southwest. I mean, it's technically southwest, but it's really due south of downtown Bloomington. And we know that it's not sort of on the other side of 3769, which is something we were looking at as well and kind of hoping for. But this site really worked out in so many ways. And the challenges that it presented wound up being opportunities. And a lot of those are architectural. And some of them are going to be experiential. We're right up against Bachelor Woods. And when you're at this site and you walk through the building and you walk the grounds, you can get a sense for, wow, this is a library that's kind of built into the trees. You don't get those opportunities very often. So it was a it was a great site for us, not without its challenges. The limestone excavation was monumental and uh, difficult to swallow, but also pretty common in terms of Monroe County site development. So that's kind of how we ended up where we are on this site on Gordon Pike. You opened the door for me. You mentioned price. Yeah. What's the bottom line? What's the capital yeah. budget for for this project. It's the way I start all of my little tours I've been doing with people is the library budgeted 11.1 million for construction and the rest of it the grand total the bottom line is 14.5 million. 
So that is about half of it we had saved in cash over the course of give or take a decade of operating surplus dollars. All those late book fees that you've collected through the years. <laughs> oh man, late book fees. You know what? As a revenue stream goes, it's not even negligible. It's laughable. That's why so many libraries are giving up on it. You know, It's not a deterrent for a collection abuse and it gives you no return. It just makes you look like an ogre. So people get rid of the late fees. Yeah. Well, really, we've been so fortunate to have such great fiscal responsibility and budgetary vision on the part of my predecessors and our financial director to say, if we're going to go anywhere near a construction project, we're going to save a lot of this in cash first, which means we need to be looking at our annual operating dollars and saying, how much can we spend and how much can we save year over year? So this is not all borrowed money. And and we did it. And we saved the cash to get to the point where we would supplement the rest of the project with general obligation bonds. Uh, so the bottom line for the whole project is $14.5 million. We are in the last, what is it, two weeks as of tomorrow before we open. And we are still in the black and projected to be in the black. It's very important to us. All right. Now let us know what this $14 million is is buying you and essentially buying the community. It is buying the community a 42,000 square foot facility with upwards of 100 parking spaces, 25,000 circulating items. It will make up the collection upon opening. And then that number will grow to between 30 and 35,000 items in total probably within the next couple of years, which is comparable to where our Ellettsville collection usually is. It's a space that has not only circulating collections and collaborative workspaces and lounge spaces and all the stuff that people expect out of libraries, but it has indeed a teaching kitchen. It has an open, all-ages, collaborative space for, it's really kind of a maker space for adults. It has its own dedicated teen space, which is modeled after our downtown teen space and our Ellettsville teen space. It has a unique children's space. And maybe this is sort of the the real icing on the cake of, of the Southwest branch is the children's space is large and it is nestled into the corner of the building such that it is up in the tree canopy. And so when you are in the children's space, which is mostly windows looking out at Bachelor Woods, you are up in the canopy with the tree. It's like being in a tree house. That was very intentional. There's so many interesting interactive elements in this library, from the reading nooks in the children's space and the and the benches around the poles that, that are sort of like tree canopies. They're very artistic and they're very interactive. To the spaces for adults, including, you know, this all ages collaborative space, which I'm sitting in now, you can't really see anything but the window, but this is a space that says, come in if you're a small business and get together and have your meetings and use this as a community space. Come in if you're a quilting group and spread your stuff out on this large collaborative table, book this space for your own special event and we can close it off for you. You can spread all the furniture out and do whatever you want. You can come in here and give presentations. This is this is sort of a very next generation public library type of space. And of course, the furniture and the shelving and the design of the building as a whole is not only durable, designed to last for a very, very long time, because we do not like replacing furniture when we don't have to. It needs to hold up for public use. But it's so intentionally conceived and executed that I think when people walk in here and they see from the minute you walk in and see a giant photograph from a local photographer up over the public service desk to this 
beautiful vista looking east out at our bachelor woods and and across gordon pike you'll realize okay this was a cohesive vision and it was very carefully calculated and laid out from beginning to end and now that we're two weeks away from opening everybody who comes in here can see that and can trace it back to the original design two weeks from opening yeah go ahead and and again i can't believe how quickly this time has gone Give us the rundown and what the community is invited to and yeah. what what type of hoopla do you oh, have absolutely. going on? Yeah. So our grand opening is Friday, June 9th at 2 p.m. We'll be open from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. We're calling it a soft opening in that normally we would be open earlier in the day, 9 o'clock. It's not going to be a full day of operating hours because we're kind of going to do a special event for the public where we invite everybody in. At 2.30, we're going to start a little sort of ceremony. We do ribbon cutting and we do a few speeches and talk about everything and everyone that led to this moment for MCPL. Cut the ribbon, take some pictures, and then we're going to have food and drinks. We're going to have a demonstration in the teaching kitchen. We're going to have opportunities for people to bake cookies from baked in the kitchen. We're going to have staff in all of the different spaces kind of giving individual you know, tours we're going to have music. We have some performances from Bachelor Middle School and from IU. And people, of course, will be able to check stuff out. So it's going to be kind of a five to six hour little soft opening on Friday, June 9th. And not only are people going to get to walk through the building and experience this space and its resources and meet our staff and all of that, but they're going to get their first peek at the amphitheater and labyrinth, which is another unique part of our facility. Certainly not something that we have anywhere else and certainly not something that many public libraries have. And this gets back to that point I made earlier about the site presenting a lot of opportunities. Because we're on such a slope, the east side of the building, it could just be open and bare and leading right up into the woods. But instead, we decided to build an amphitheater for outdoor performances and programs and just casual public use. And it's almost finished. They finished the the stage, which we're calling a labyrinth. It's a set of pavers arranged in such a way that you have a little visual maze that you can wander through. But it's really our performance stage. It's a four-tiered limestone amphitheater with sod in between. It will be lit and it will be almost like a park-like feature to the rest of the library grounds. And it connects to a large concrete plaza, which will be sort of like our back patio, if you will, that'll have tables and benches, landscaping, and hopefully down the road, some sculpture like we have at the downtown library with our iconoclastic bears. All right, 30 seconds. Share what you will with the community. So this is, as I said, a historic moment for MCPL. There really hasn't been anything like this for a very long time. We want every single member of this community who can to come out on Friday, June 9th and share in the celebration because it's their library. We're doing this for them. But more importantly, we want this to be a new contact point, a new service point for the community. It just expands our reach And it helps us meet our mission, which is to provide that free and equitable access to every single resident in Monroe County. This is a huge step for us. But we're not done because once we open this branch, we go back to our strategic plan work for the next three to five years and say, what are we doing next? And we're going to be focusing on downtown again. 
We've done our Ellettsville renovation and expansion. We're completing our construction project here at Southwest. It's time to refocus on the downtown library and continue to make it everything that everybody wants it to be. Send folks to your website for more information. Absolutely. www.mcpl.info will give you all the info you need and contact information for myself and my fellow administrators because we talk to a lot of folks in the community on a regular basis. We love hearing from people. That is Director Greer Carson with the Monroe County Public Libraries talking to us about an array of things. Of course, his background talked about the history of all the branches and the mobile service and, of course, All the information for the new library branch here in Bloomington on the southwest side at the intersections of Rogers and Gordon Pike, right next to Bachelor Middle School. The grand opening, again, is June 9th. That is a Friday. Once again, uh, Director Carson, what time is the event for the public? The doors will open at 2 o'clock. The little ceremony starts at 2.30 and will be open until 7. Come one, come all. All right, you're listening to Bloomington Newsmakers on the South Central Indiana News Network. Thanks to all of our sponsors and to the entire team here. We'll be back with more Newsmakers next week. was a production of the South Central Indiana News Network.